What if you could have a film critic, film festival director, film publicist, and fellow filmmaker guide you with your film's PR and marketing journey from pre-production to post? I'm Kevin Sampson, and my online course, PR for the Indie Filmmaker, does just that. In this course, I'm going to teach you how to set up your film to engage an audience and build a community long before you call action. I'll show you how to approach critics to make them aware of your film like publicists do. And as a director of two film festivals, I won't just teach you hacks and secrets to reduce entry fees, but how you can use the festival circuit to create buzz around your film. I'm a huge supporter of diverse storytelling and film, and I believe the most unique voices come from indie filmmakers. That's who I've supported over the years with my show, Picture Lock, whether on TV or on radio. With as much experience as I've had as an independent filmmaker myself, critic, publicist, and festival director, I realize that most indie filmmakers just need access to the knowledge that big firms provide to achieve success. So in this course, I'm going to demystify some of the process and give you everything I know and a behind the scenes look at the sides of the business you don't always see. So if you're an indie filmmaker that's looking to change the game with your film's PR and marketing, make sure you check out PR for the Indie Filmmaker. Head on over to PRForTheIndieFilmmaker.com and get a free preview of the course, PR for the Indie Filmmaker. Get your film seen, build community, and become an army of one. And I wanna show you how you all look like beautiful stars tonight. Picture Lock on WERALP Arlington 96.7 FM. Welcome to another episode of the world-famous award-winning show. I'm your host, Kevin Sampson, filmmaker, film festival director, film critic, film publicist, and lover of film and TV. You can find all the back episodes and so much more at PictureLockShow.com. This week on the show, I've got Marisol Gomez-Mukad, writer, director, producer of Angelica. I also have Stephanie Selden Howard, director, producer of the documentary The Weight of Honor. It's two great interviews. I can't wait to let you hear that. I'm also going to the red carpet of the DC Black Film Festival to share some of the thoughts from the filmmakers you've heard on the show already, as well as I had to make sure that you guys heard from comic artist Sanford Green and the hilarious, legendary Sinbad. You gotta hear what he says to Dean. Uh, <laughs> oh man, it's pretty funny. I'll also have Picture Lock's question of the week from a couple of weeks ago. And that's all ahead on Picture Lock. This is Rick Kane. I'm the director, producer of the film Final Notice, and I'm on Picture Lock with Kevin Sampson. It's Picture Lock. I'm your host, Kevin Sampson, and in the new movie, Angelica, Angelica has spent her whole life escaping from her mixed racial identity, but a family crisis forces her to look inside and rethink her life. I have the writer, director, producer of the film, Marisol Gomez Mukad, on the line with me. Marisol, welcome to Picture Lock. Thank you. Thank you very much for having me. It's my pleasure. 
So the first question I always start out with is, when did you first fall in love with film? I think I, I mean, I've always been in love with film. I've always liked watching films uh, and going to the movies. Um, but, you know, I started making films in 2003 uh, because I originally started as a visual artist. I just, for some reason, well, just didn't see the possibility of my making films. And then it started. And once I started making them, there's no seeing any going back. <laughs> I love it. So, Monisol, if you could, like, give us a little history lesson. How did you get uh, started in the film industry? What happened was I went for my master's degree at, um, at the new school. Uh, and I first made a short uh, film that was experimental, uh, and I didn't think. Like, when I made it, I just, like, did it uh, more like for class and as an experiment, and I started submitting it into film festivals, and it started getting in, and I was like, oh, so I made my second short, and I've just been working on, you know, obviously making my second short, and then on this feature film that I've been working on. That is now Angelica. Interesting. It's Picture Lock. I'm your host, Kevin Sampson. I'm talking with the writer, director, producer of Angelica, Marisol Gomez Mukad. Uh, Marisol, you know. If you could, um, what is the film about in your own words? So the film deals with colorism within the context. Uh, you could say Puerto Rico, but I say it's you know it's something that's true for the you know all of the Caribbean, and the story is I, it is it's something that anybody from the Caribbean could identify with because it is an issue. So it deals with that, and it also deals with um, the race, you know, the sexism that, it, you know, a woman of color would encounter anyway, or any woman would encounter within the context of the Caribbean. I mean, and, and not that it isn't encountered in other areas, but... <laughs> right. This, this one is specific to, um, you know, the context of the Caribbean. And you're are you originally from San Juan, Puerto Rico, right? Yes. So you know, I'm really interested in uh, the fact that you know, of course, you you wrote and directed this. Um, so I feel like this is kind of like a personal story. Now, maybe it's not exactly what you went through, but it's something that you could actually um, write about and put on the big screen. And so for those of us that um, didn't gr grow up in Puerto Rico. Uh, you know, what does, you know, this uh, racism or, you know, dealing with uh, identity, what does that look like in Puerto Rico um, as, as in context with the film? Well, the film deals with how, you know, often uh, it deals a lot with how, because it's it's from the perspective of a woman. So it deals 
the for the whole beauty standards and how very much the beauty standards that are um what is seen as beautiful is very much from a very Eurocentric point of view. Very much, you know, obviously, you know, the closer you are to white, the better it is. So it deals with that. It deals with the subtle, you know, racial attitudes that are encountered in Puerto Rico that are usually, they're not out in the open, like people will say comments, but they will make it as a joke or just comments that people make without realizing what they're doing. There's a lot, there's a lot of microaggressions. It's just, unfortunately, it's, it's, well, fortunately, it's something that lately there's been more awareness and there are more people speaking about it, but it used to be that there was not a lot of awareness about it. So people just kept on, you know, going on making the comments or, you know, the subtle yeah, ways of, you know, how microaggressions happen, you know, like people make a comment not even realizing what they're saying uh, might be racist or might be something that's offensive and not think twice about it. And if you tell them, they'll go like, oh, I'm not being racist. Oh, you know, but what you just said is really like that. <laughs> hmm Yeah. Um. It's, you know, total unawareness of what it means or how it can affect somebody else. So, yeah, I mean, that's what basically the film, what it would look like within the context. And it's not just in Puerto Rico, but the whole context of of the Caribbean. You know, uh, obviously... I understand uh, what racism looks like in America. Uh, I totally understand um, what different uh, biases we might have um, internally uh, within our own tribes, as well as um, I think just as people as a whole. You know, I, I noticed that you, you say that this is something that, you know, is kind of across the Caribbean. And it's interesting because I know uh, definitely for as a black male, I know a lot of times we kind of talk about how for our Afro-Latina, Latino brothers and sisters and um, how, hey, we all, you know, got <laughs> we all came across on a boat. We just got dropped off in different places. And as, as you're talking about, you know, this Angelica and what she goes through and uh, the different things that are brought up within the film. What's the one thing that you want people to take away as the lights come up and they leave the theater? Well, I would like them to become, I mean, obviously enjoy the film, but (laughs) besides that, um, just, you know, create awareness about the problem. and hopefully a dialogue, too, you know, for people to start talking about, you know, how this happens and how we can change this and create awareness that it is, you know, there might be an issue with this. Well, there is, but, you know, have them just become more aware of the situation. Because I think a lot of times people don't realize uh, and they're not aware and if there's not awareness that, oh, there might be an issue here. Maybe this is something. Just create awareness and dialogue. Up till now, it's been my experience that 
as a festival that I've been able to attend, that it does create dialogue. So hopefully it will continue to do that. Most definitely. It's Picture Rock. I'm Kevin Sampson. I've been talking with the director, producer of the film, Angelica Marisol Gomez Mukad. Marisol, if you could, how can people uh, find out more about the film, follow you guys on social media? Uh, so I am on, uh, Angelica actually is on Facebook and on Instagram and Twitter. And I constantly post when it will be, you know, in a festival or hopefully eventually we can get distribution and be in screens. But it's, uh, on Facebook, it's Angelica the Movie. Uh, and on Instagram, it's Angelica Pelicula. And on Twitter, Angelica Peli. Awesome. Writer, director, producer of the film, Angelica. Marisol Gomez Mukad, thanks so much for coming on Picture Lock. Oh, thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you very much. And hopefully, we'll be in you know, people's area soon. Hey, everybody. This is Jeffrey Lyles of Lyles Movie Files. You're listening to Picture Lock. It's Picture Lock. I'm your host, Kevin Sampson. And filmed over five years, The Weight of Honor follows the lives of caregivers of veterans who have been catastrophically wounded in America's longest war. Their lives are transformed overnight to 24-7 caregivers tasked with caring for their war wounded. The film reveals the family dynamic, their relationships before the wounds of war, and now the uncertainties that lie ahead. I have director-producer Stephanie Selden Howard on the line with me. Stephanie, welcome to Picture Lock. Thank you very much. It's an honor to be here. <laughs> it's my pleasure. Uh, Stephanie, the first question I always start out with, when did you first fall in love with film? I've always been in love with documentaries, and that's that comes from my background. I have a broadcast journalism degree from American University. Thank you. And go um, Eagles. I've always, I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I said go Eagles. Go Eagles. <laughs> I was thinking that go Eagles. Um, and I've always, always, always since I think junior high school wanted to work in news. And I did for a long time work in um, television news. And it, this was a natural extension of it because I was continually frustrated with the time constraints on a daily newscast. And there were so many subjects that needed more than even a multi-part series on a newscast, which at the most might be two minutes at a time. And that's why I moved into documentaries and documentary films. You know, um, I didn't realize that, um, you know, I also went to AU and got my MFA there for film. So, uh, wow, we have a connection already. Uh, <laughs> if you could, Stephanie, um, just give us a little history lesson of kind of how you got into the film industry. Well, I started uh, working with another producer who also wanted to do long form film. And we produced, I produced with her a film called um, Refusenik, which was about the um, long history of the movement to free Soviet Jews from what was then communist Russia. And that was a, it covered a really long length of time, um, probably two to three decades. 
that was very gratifying because I met a lot of a lot of people I wouldn't have met before, and some of them were actually my heroes from when I was uh, in high school. People I'd only known by carrying their posters, that kind of thing. Um, and from there, I sort of took a break and realized I needed to find a subject that resonated with me. Um, and, and that's really how I think good documentary filmmakers are able to work um, because we have to be passionate about our subject. And I think that's that's really the main thing um, that we need to think about when we're looking at film. I think all filmmakers have to be passionate about their subject, whether they're a documentary or feature, short, whatever. That makes a lot of sense. It's Picture Lock. I'm your host, Kevin Sampson. I'm talking with director-producer Stephanie Selden Howard of the film The Weight of Honor. Um, you know, Stephanie, I think you're absolutely correct. I think anything in life, do what you're passionate about. And when you do that, that passion generally permeates uh, into other people. And so if, if we could, getting into The Weight of Honor... Um, you know, I'd love to know why you're passionate about this subject, but for the audience that's listening, could you just summarize the film in your own words? Well, the film is, it's about six really strong, inspiring women because their lives are changed. As you said, their lives are changed overnight. Suddenly the person who they sent to war, who, you know, was physically, and mentally um, one of the highest uh, ranking people in the world. And what they come back with is someone who is broken and someone they need to care for. And they may already have young children in the house. And some of the women we have in the film were pregnant with their first child when this happened. And it's, it's difficult to understand, but also it's inspiring, and it was actually cathartic for these women because no one had asked them how they felt. Um, not to take, an, take anything away from this, but the focus had been on their veterans and not on themselves, and they were very, very emotional interviews, and I think that comes through um, of course, the emotional part of it, but I think the message comes through in the film that women are also very, very, very strong, and they are inspiring. And that's something that we're learning about really in the last year when we're talking about the Me Too um, campaign and actually, even more importantly, Time's Up. Women are stepping up and and taking their due. I hope that answers your question. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I th it does answer my question. I think um, uh, one thing that I do want to know is, you know, what got you interested in, in the subject matter? How did it come across your de desk? Because, you know, as you said, being passionate about uh, your subject and the, in the documentary. Um, so how did you kind of get involved? Well, I come from a civilian background. I am not military, and that's kind of surprising to people who see the film. I uh, had met some people, who, some people who were wounded vets who had come to my hometown, and in exploring what they had gone through 
and speaking to other people, I found that no one had done a film about the caregivers, meaning the families who were taking care of them. And I said, well, that's shocking, and that's something that the civilian audience needs to know about and should know about. And, and I, I don't mean to tell people what to do, but when I hear a story that I didn't know about, uh, it makes me wonder how many others didn't. And mm. I did research and, be, and became passionate about this. I'm, I want people to share, I want to share this information with people because I say, wow, you're kidding. I had no idea. And I feel the audience will say the same. You know, as I watched the trailer, uh, that's exactly uh, how I felt. You know, I think, uh, especially in America today, we're so quick to say um, thank you for your service. I, th I feel like that's a buzz phrase. Um, but as I was watching the trailer, I was like, wow, this is an actual intimate look at what you're thinking a veteran who has given up you know, either either parts of themselves physically or, you know, mentally given up part of themselves. But then also, as you said, just looking at the women behind them, um, one of the interesting quotes was, you know, um, one of the wives were saying that she's married to someone who she didn't marry. And uh, that really just hit me like a ton of bricks because, you know, when you do get married, you do say for better or for worse. Um, but, you know, the person that you're standing with, I guess in marriage in general, like the person you're standing with at the altar, you know, is not the same person 10 years later. But in such a case like this, it's just uh, such a big difference. Um, so uh, as we kind of wrap out the interview here, I'm wondering what's been audience uh, reception of the film thus far? You know, it depends on the audience, but um, to a completely civilian audience will react the way you did. They'll say, I never understood this, and I'm completely shocked, and we want to do something about this. And and so we give suggestions of how they can do things as part of their community, and also we give suggestions on our website. We have people who are in the social work, healthcare realm who learn from this, who gain information of how to work with their patients. And we even have some people in the military who watch and who applaud it and, and who say, you know, we it's time we gave our the caregivers their due. Uh, we, of course, respect the, the veterans, but we need to give these other people who help them their due. And then there's also some unhappiness along. Uh, we always get questions about, well, what's the VA doing about this? And that's a complicated question, and that's a movie in itself. I'm sure. Unfortunately, we're going to have to wrap things up here, Stephanie, but um, how can people follow the film and find out more information? Well, our, our website, uh, which is theweightofhonormovie.com, has um, a calendar of what's coming up. We also are going to be doing, at least in the Washington area, I'm going to be doing a private screening. I hope to find some others. I would like to work with American U and try to bring a screening there to the campus and TW and Georgetown. I think those are places that are just right for that. And, but go to the website. You'll see where it's coming to you. And uh, if you are living in the community where you think this would be a good, good fit, please let us know. There's a place to contact us on the website and we'll get the film out to you. Awesome. Director, producer of The Weight of Honor, Stephanie Selden Howard, thanks so much for coming on Picture Lock.
Thank you for having me. What's up, guys? Thank you so much for listening to and supporting Picture Lock. I absolutely love film, as you know, and have given my life to studying the medium. As a filmmaker, I understand what it takes to make a film from its inception to the big screen. As a critic, I've been able to see the business of film from the marketing side of things. And as a film festival director, I've been able to see the distribution side, but more importantly, the enormous amount of talented filmmakers out there creating and crafting stories from their heart. And that's why I've started Picture Lock PR. If you're a filmmaker or producer looking to engage audiences and create relevance around your latest or upcoming project, head over to PictureLockPR.com. We can help you with your film's publicity from pre to post-production. Get more information and see the clients we've helped in the past at PictureLockPR.com. PictureLock PR. Finally, a partner as passionate as you. Picture Lock's question of the week last week was, who is your favorite female director and why? The response is a disappointing one serious response. On Instagram, at Allen.France.Europe said, of course, Madame Bigelow. When I went to see Detroit, I didn't stop from the beginning to the end and even later on to cry. I mean, to have tears in my eyes. I ordered the DVD like an evidence. From my subjective opinion, the two best movies of the century are Detroit and Bridge End from Jep Rondé. 0930 is a masterpiece, too. Uh, I certainly appreciate that. Thank you so much. I'm assuming your first name is Alan. Uh, I appreciate his response, and uh, it obviously was heartfelt. And wow. Outside of him, I can't state how sad I am that there weren't more responses. I know you guys are participating because, you know, there's plenty of weeks where it's just so many (laughs) answers that I have to read. But this was really disappointing. Uh, Perhaps this is an indicator of the issue of women in film. And perhaps I need to have another women in cinema panel soon or something to address this. But we've got to do better. So just to A-B test this, uh, this week's question, who is your favorite director of all time and why? (laughs) Now, this is really going to show the people that listen to the podcast and who doesn't, but I I really can't wait to see if there's a huge difference. Uh, So yeah, we're A-B testing this. Leave me a message, 60 seconds or less, on who your favorite director is and why, and I'm going to do my best to play it on the show. 202-350-1351. Again, 202-350-1351. Leave me a message. I'll play it on the show. You can always let me know on social media or email me at picturelockshow at gmail.com. And I'll read your answer next episode. Hi, this is Atsushi Ogata, creator of Mona Lisa Cowboy. And you're listening to Picture Lock. Dean on the scene here for Arlington in the morning for the DC Black Film Festival, the second annual here at the Miracle Theater. And... What can I say? It's the one and only Sinbad. How you doing, Sinbad? I'm good, man. I'm good, bro. Awesome. So you are here to watch your son bring his film, Girl With No Brain. Yes. Daughter is here as well. Yeah. How proud are you? Oh, uh, man. You know, he's had a camera in his hands. He's about four years old. Really? Camera, music. He, I call him a renaissance man. He edits, directs, writes, does all that. That's amazing. So what, how have you... 
goodness gracious, I lost my yeah. question. I thought, okay. The heat got you. See, bro, you need to talk. You need to talk. <laughs> yes, indeed. <laughs> so, DC Black Film Festival. Have you enjoyed it so far? You know what? I get a chance. This is my first time. I get a chance to go with my man Sanford Green talking about but comic books, he, he's an idol of mine, the way he's illustrating all the comic books he's done. So this is my first night I get a chance to watch some of the movies. I was on the road performing and stuff, so I just got in. Nice. So yeah. other than your son's film, what is one of your favorite films that you've seen at the film festival tonight? You know, I haven't seen it yet. This is my first night. Really? It's my first night. So I'm a, I'm a, I like sci-fi, so I know I'm going to dig this tonight. Mm. I know I'm going to dig sci-fi, man. I like you already since you yeah. like sci-fi. What's your favorite sci-fi? It would have to be, God, am I going to go old school? Mm-hmm. I'm gonna go new school. First of all, when um, Predators came out, yep. when Predators came out, Aliens came out, mm -hmm. all that stuff. That would, I think that would have to hit me, man. That's when it got to be horror movies that were sci-fi movies. Oh yeah. Yeah. So what would you tell people who have not come out to the DC Black Film Festival that they need to be here? Oh, this should be full. I thought this would be packed. I mean, because you know what? This is um, for first of all, for a black filmmaker out here trying to make it and get a chance to show the film. I said these showcases are so important, and you'd be surprised. You'll catch an up and coming. Somebody's on the way up, man. I, I, you know, I can't believe it's not packed. It should be packed. Y'all should be at all the black film mm -hmm. festivals, all right? And not just black people, everybody. You heard that from Sinbad. Everybody, everybody should be at the DC Black Film Festival. Yeah, man. So check out dcbff.org next year. You yes. got to be here. I think Sinbad's going to be here next year, hopefully. I'll be here next year. I'm going to have to bring a film. Yes, you're going to have to bring a film. I'm going to bring a film, man. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much. My pleasure now. Thank you. Dean on the scene here for WERA 96.7 FM, Arlington in the Morning, and the Rogers Review. We are here for the second annual DC Black Film Festival, and we have the one, the only, Sanford Green, who's helping us close out the second annual oh, DC Black Film Festival. Right. How are you doing today? I'm doing quite well. I'm the closer. I guess that's pretty cool. Yes, right. you are, especially since you just finished a panel tonight. So tell us about the panel you presented. Uh, well, the panel was based on uh, with my career working at Marvel Entertainment and um, being an illustrator on um, Luke Cage and the Black Panther. Nice. Luke Cage and Black Panther. What can, else can we can, say? Yeah, yeah, that's it. I mean, that's, I'm the closer, so there you go. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. So tell us, when did you realize that you wanted to become an illustrator? Um, honestly, uh, when I was a kid, I watched the Super Friends, if you guys remember yes, that. Yes, Hanna-Barbera, yes. Oh yeah, back then, I, um, I watched that stuff and I was just uh, amazed by what I saw. And then one day, my mom took me to the local Kmart. You remember those? Those are. Oh yeah, we still have a Kmart where I live in Annandale. Oh really? That's, that's yes, interesting. But, um, but yeah, I, um, I went to the local Kmart and I saw a spinner rack. If you guys see, I'm dating myself now. A spinner rack where you saw these comics um, on this spinner rack and I was yes and I was just totally um, amazed by what I saw because it was like wait a minute those are the books that I saw on TV mm -hmm. so that made me even more interested and in wanting to do it so I begged my mom and my mom was like well if it's gonna keep you out of trouble then so be it and that's where the addiction started ever since that point amazing and how long did you draw for Marvel Comics <laughs> um, Professionally, oh well, over at Marvel, uh, eight years. And you did uh, comics before that? Yes, I worked over at DC Comics at that point. Oh, so you worked on both sides oh, yeah. of the aisle, wow. Both sides of the fence, yes, yes. Awesome. So what are some of the um, different styles between Marvel and DC in your humble opinion? Uh, well, I think they're all kind of in the same vein where they have uh, what I consider to be more mainstream, mm -hmm. the mainstream look um, of the superhero. and. Um, 
they're they're very similar in that regard. But I, I do think that Marvel um, they are a little more, um, for lack of better words, diverse. Mm -hmm. But um, I think DC's catching up though. They're they're doing a pretty good job here recently. And especially this year, it's been the resurgence and the emergence of black superheroes yeah. having Luke Cage, yeah. Black Lightning premiered in January, yeah. and Black Panther killing the box office. Right. I mean, what do you think of this emergence here in 2018 of the black superhero? Um, I think it's pretty awesome. As a matter of fact, it's one of the things that inspired me to uh, go and do one of the things that I'm currently working on right now. It's a uh, creator-owned book called mm -hmm. Bitter Roots that's based on a family of uh, monster hunters set during the Harlem Renaissance time period. Ooh, so we're talking about the 1920s? 1920s, yes. Wow. And it's all because of, uh, you know, what was transpired with um, Black Panther and the success of that and Luke Cage and so on and so forth. That is amazing. I'm just already intrigued about what she says now. <laughs> Most people, I get that reaction, so, you know, no pressure, I guess. There's a lot of eyeballs on this thing right now, so. Definitely and no it, pressure at all. Yeah, it'll be debuting, the comic will debut in November. Um, so um, that's right around the corner. So, Awesome. So how did you hear about the DC Black Film Festival? Um, Kevin Sampson. Um, I've known him for a while, and he reached out to me. He said, hey, I'd love for you to, become, uh, to come out and uh, be a guest. And I was like, absolutely, because uh, he's been doing a great job here in the last few years of just putting together this festival. And I've watched from afar. And um, again, I've known him since he was in college, so or high school even. So, oh, wow. Yeah, so we, we go back uh, quite far. And I'm just uh, incredibly impressed by what he's done here so far. So I just wanted to be here to support. Absolutely. Did you get a chance to see some of the films here? Um, as a matter of fact, there's some films right now that I would love to run in and check out. So uh, not Which yet. ones? <laughs> Which ones you want to see? Honestly, I wanted to see the animated one. I've heard that it was a one best animated film. And so I just wanted to see it, you know, for, you know, my own geek personal interest. But uh and then there's a, there was another one about the, the DC, the documenting the DC area and it won best film here locally. So that was interesting to me too. So That's amazing. So we want to tell the people who have not attended the DC Black Film Festival that they need to attend in years to come. You need to attend the DC Black Film Festival. You, you can do it now if you want. If you live around oh, the corner, <laughs> come around and watch these films. It, it'll be pretty awesome. But yeah, definitely next year and, and so on and so forth, definitely. So will you come back next year? That's the question for you. Well, I would love to. It just, if the time permits to schedule, I would love to. But I'll, I'll support it no matter what. Excellent. Well, Sanford, thank you very much. Thank you. And we're looking forward to your new comic coming out in November 2018. And where can we find this, by the way? Um, actually, Image Comics. So uh, Image is the largest uh, distributor of um, independent comics. Um, they're right there with Marvel and DC. A lot of people don't realize that... Uh, they're the brains behind, uh, um, I'm sorry, I'm thinking of the names right now, uh, Walking Dead. They're oh, wow. Part of that. <clears throat> so, you know, they're, they're, they've, got, they've got some pretty well-known properties out there right now. So hopefully uh, Bitterroot will be a part of that, um, that uh, list as well. Absolutely. And for the young men and women who would like to follow you on social media, where can they follow you? Uh, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, at Sanford Green. Awesome. Well, thank you very much, sir. Thank you. Thank you. What's up, everybody? This is Kevin Sampson I'm on the red carpet of the DC Black Film Festival. Right now, I'm starstruck because Reggie Brown, one of the subjects in United States, is right next to me. Reggie, how you doing? Doing good, bro. How are you? 
I'm doing well. Um, obviously, I think United Skates is a powerful film. If you could, for the audience that might be watching that hasn't seen it, just mm -hmm. tell what the film is about. The film is about the fight that's ever-present in the African-American community, fighting to save our roller rinks, fighting to save some community fixtures and things that we have going on. It's basically a part of our history, and the film is about, it covers a certain aspect of that history that we're trying to save and trying to protect for generations to come. Yeah, you know, one of the things, like, you know, first off, the music is banging, right? <laughs> and uh, I love uh, the roller skating, you know. And this, it is interesting because, like, growing up, like, you could, I could name two different roller rinks, right? right, right. But now um, you can't really figure out where I could go in D.C. to, right, to go right. skate. Um, yeah, yeah. So could you just talk a little bit about the importance of skating to the culture? The skating culture is not only in depth a part of the African-American community, but it's American. It's an American pastime, just like how you go to Yankee Stadium and you want to see the Yankees play. You want to see baseball, you got to go to the skating ring. So it's important that we maintain these institutions because they're cultural institutions and they are big, big, big heart. Think of it as a, as a heart in the community that you come from and it pumps. So the more that you pump into it, the more it gives you back. So it gives the community's lives, the more that they're around, so I think that's just something that a lot of people have to understand is the fact of just like it's that pumping heart that we want to have in the community, you know? Right, most definitely. So uh, this film has obviously been doing really well on the festival circuit. Mm -hmm. If you could, uh, a couple of questions. One is like, how have you like responded when the audience responds? Like, how does it make you feel like afterwards when you talk with them? And then two, what do you hope that uh, audiences take from the film? I think it's, it's exciting whenever you get the audience involved with the film, you know, I think they go back to when they were kids or they go back to when they were adults and they get in there and they say, you know, they just, they feel like they're there again, or they feel they just like, oh, I remember that, or I got to get my skates out of the closet, you know, and dust them off and get back in the ring. I hope that, one of the biggest things that I hope that people take from the film is that, that roller rinks are cultural institutions. And at the end of the day, skating saves lives. And the more kids that are in the roller skating rink that are rolling around, the more lives you can save. So I think that's the most important thing that I think people should take from that. Okay, so that's a lofty thing to say, right? Skating saves lives. Skating saves lives. For the audience, like, that might have been like me and said, really? Mm -hmm. Really? Really. How? Skating saves lives because it gives a lot of the children, like, something to do. At the end of the day, kids are looking for what? Something to do. Mm -hmm. Something to put their time into. So when kids are not entertained, when kids don't have something to invest their time into, what happens? They get into trouble. Right. What does trouble lead to? Trouble leads to getting, going to jail or, you know, in the grave. So at the end of the day, roller skating saves lives because it's an investment that a kid can make. It's something that they can invest themselves into. It's something they can dedicate themselves and get something out of it. And it also builds the relationships in the community. It opens them up to a bunch of different individuals that are in it. So when you think about it, it takes a community to raise a child the same way that it takes a rink to raise a child. And if that child is raised right, they, they go out into the community and become prominent. So. He's cooler than a polar bear's toenails. I'm not. <laughs> Reggie Brown, subject so of United States. Thanks appreciate for coming you. on. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, All right. appreciate you. Hello, I'm Megan Caulfield. We're at the DC Black Film Festival. I'm here with Chad. And Chad, are you a filmmaker? Yes, yes. What film are you sporting? Um, uh, it is Rumination. So I wrote and directed it okay. uh, and produced it. Uh, so I'm excited, I'm really excited. What, is it a short film or a feature? Short film, okay. yep, yep. And I, I haven't seen it, so tell me a little bit about the synopsis. And yeah, so Rumination is about a heartbroken man who travels into the past for a second chance at a failed relationship. And it will be screening uh, Friday during the second block.
Was it a good idea that he did that? You gotta wait and see. Yeah, you gotta that's watch it. That's the ultimate yeah, question. That's, that's the, yeah, yeah, that's the thing. So, it, 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 when I do watch it, mm -hmm. am I going to be... What, what do you want me as, as someone that hasn't seen your film to walk away feeling? You know, I just left the Martha's Vineyard African American Film Festival and the moderator described it as mind-bending. You know? Mind-bending? Mind-bending, yeah. And I thought that was pretty cool. You know, I was inspired by Black Mirror, by like uh, Christopher Nolan's Inception. Oh, Black Mirror is yeah, whoa, yeah. So, it's gonna make me feel like Black Mirror. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh wow, yeah, then yeah. I'm gonna um, just be prepared for yeah, nightmares. Yeah, then. yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Yeah. Very yep. cool, Chad. Well, yep. thank you for coming. Congratulations thank you on so your much. many accolades. Thank you so with much with your film. I can't wait to see it. Thank you so much. I thank appreciate you. it. Thank you. You too. Oh, oh. I, was... <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were trying to take my mic, <laughs> no. and I was like, oh no, not right now. That's not happening. <laughs> not right now. Later. Gotcha. I am here with the cast and crew of Chance, which is screening. It's actually the first film screening at opening night at the DC Black Film Festival. Please, everyone, let us know who you are and what your role was with the film. Yes, I'm Joseph Austin II. I'm the writer, director, and producer of this film, One Chance. I am Denise Yolanda, and I'm the lead actress. Uh, I am Jeremy Harris, and I am the cinematographer. Excellent. So we got the whole crew here. Yep, okay, so we're all about to walk in and watch your film. What do you want us to feel? What do you want this entire group of people here to be thinking about? What should I walk away from your film feeling? Uh, hopefully motivated. I uh, wanted to be an, uh, an experience. So, okay. Yeah. Motivated to, to take action? Motivated yeah. to change my life? Well, uh, motivated to pursue your dreams. So okay. That's the biggest, biggest message of the film. And you said you wrote the film as well, correct? Mm -hmm. And it's a short film. Short film. Excellent. So what was your, did you have a motivation or what, what caused you to kind of want to go down the path of filmmaking? Oh, film? Um, well, I mean, I, I feel like it's the only thing I'm good at. Um, <laughs> I'm I sure have that's not true. I have an active imagination and, um, you know, for, for me it's like, what, what better way to, to, for my passion to meet, you know, I've, you know, a technical school in filmmaking. So, I mean, it was the perfect marriage for me. So. Excellent. Okay. And what was it like working with him? Did you guys have a great experience on the film? What, can you tell me like one funny, oh, you both laughed. That means there's a funny story. Share it really quick in a couple minutes, yes. Please, please, please. Um, well, it's been about a year and a half that we've known each other, but uh, Joseph has been one of those people that since I've met, we met in Los Angeles, and he's been like a brother to me, like somebody that you meet, and he just has such a like calm and honest and beautiful spirit that you feel like you've known him forever. Um, and so, yeah, this process is actually, out of all the films and like, work that I've done, this has been like the most where I felt like a family and it didn't feel like work, you know, at the end of the day. I left feeling like invigorated as opposed to tired, you know. Like m maybe motivated? Like motivated, <laughs> as you should feel when you're yeah. watching the film. Absolutely. Oh, great. All right. Well, I'll let you guys get in there because I know you're the first film to screen. So thank you so much for chatting with me. Congratulations and have a great, great night. Thank you. Appreciate it. Absolutely. This is Dean Rogers, RNT in the morning for the second annual DC Black Film Festival. As you probably are aware, I'm a sci-fi king. And what better way to have a sci-fi movie here on Saturday night with the star and the director of an upcoming film that's premiering here tonight at the DC Black Film Festival. We have Royce and Rachel Atkins. How are you doing today? Doing great. How are you doing? I'm doing good. How about you, Rachel? I'm doing really good. Thank you. Excellent. So, Royce, I can't believe I've interviewed you just a couple of days right, ago right, yes. for your film. So, for those who do not know about your film, yes. tell us about it. Yeah, so the film is called The Girl With No Brain, and it's about a girl who was literally born without a brain. So her parents had a artificial intelligence implanted in her head as a child. And so now the story takes place. She's older, going into college, and the artificial intelligence itself is starting to question its own identity and wants to be recognized as such. 
Awesome. So when did you realize the concept for your film? Um, it was probably about, uh, I actually, we shot last year in September, um, came up with the idea probably a couple months before that, I actually got the idea from an article that I read about a girl, the same situation, she was born without a brain, her parents kept her alive until she was about eight years old, um, despite everyone telling, telling them, you know, let her go, let her go, you know, she doesn't have a quality of life, but just the love that they had for their daughter to, to keep her alive and to, to love her even despite her situation that really stayed with me and moved me. So that's kind of how the idea sprouted of like, well, what if there was something out there that could have helped me? Absolutely. So Rachel, tell us, how does it feel to be directed by your brother in this film? I have to ask about that question. Um, I was kind of nervous at first because it's my brother and like I want to make it really special for him. But after a while, it became really natural. It was pretty incredible. Um, I don't know, just being able to uh, take direction from somebody that I trust and that I know is going to like take me where I need to go and take this character where she needs to go. Mm -hmm. So I felt like I was in safe hands the entire time. I, I enjoyed it. Wonderful. So what were some of the challenges of acting in this film? The challenge for me was, um, you know, this character was not, she's not human technically, the emotions. So trying to create emotions from scratch rather than going off of something that I felt before, it was really hard trying to bring that to screen. And, to show that, but um, over time it kind of, it felt natural, and yeah, that's pretty much it. Well, I take it that you both are sci-fi aficionados like me? Oh, yes. So I gotta ask, what's your favorite science fiction TV, movie, or character? Um, all right, so that's, that's a lot. I'll, sti I'll stick with movies. You got it. Um, uh, Alien, hands down. Really. Why Alien? Because the first time I saw it, I was younger, and I actually, I hate horror, I hate suspense, but I understand. <laughs> I hate horror too. Yeah. I cannot be near a horror film right. for the life of me. Yeah, it messes, it messes with my sleep altogether. <laughs> but just that, the way that movie was shot and the way that it was made and the way and the fact that it all revolved around this sci-fi concept of these people running into this alien and all this crazy stuff happening and it's pretty much all one location for most of it. And just being enthralled into that world and, and seeing like what can be created just like using your imagination. I don't know, just watching that and despite the fact that it was suspenseful and I still like cared to watch it, that, I mean, that was a big deal for me. And it stuck with me. Wonderful. How about you, Rachel? Attack the Block, like 100%. I didn't watch that, and uh -huh. he showed me Attack the Block like maybe four years ago, yeah. and to this day, my favorite. I love it. Have you seen it? I have seen it. It's incredible. Absolutely. Why is it important for DC to have its own Black Film Festival? We're now in the second annual, and people are passing along the streets and seeing us, seeing people like us directing films, producing films, and putting it right here on the big screen. So why is it important? I think it's important just to like to get our message out there and to spread our, our message, because I feel like within the film industry, they don't understand how many stories we have to tell. You know, they put us in a box. They know the the, the certain like struggles that we, we usually put out, or at least what they're they, what they allow us to put out. So these festivals like these is in this one specifically, it's so great because we get to see that as black filmmakers, as black storytellers, we have such a broad range, and it's time the the that the country and the world sees that, and recognizes that, and you know allows us to tell those stories. How about you, Rachel? I think it's important that we have something to get excited about, you know, because um, we're present in the news all the time, we're on television all the time, but it's not something to get excited about. It's something that we usually mourn or it's something that's being shown in a negative light. And so I think it's important that we have something like this to highlight and also for the younger generations of black kids being raised, like, hey, you can be creative. And I think it's important that these stories are being told by black people. Excellent. So my last question is, what would you say to the person listening and watching this to encourage them, if they want to become a filmmaker, 
to keep going, keep striving, keep doing, no matter how hard it is, no matter how many obstacles you have to overcome, just keep going and keep fulfilling your dream. What would you say to them? Uh, pretty much everything you just said. You know, just like literally keep going, like no, don't expect any help. No one's gonna help you. Just trust your vision, trust your ideas. If you like it, someone else in the world's gonna like it. So just trust your gut and just, just keep going, just keep making it. Rachel? Um, there's no straight line in filmmaking and everybody is going to tell you that it's impossible, it's hard, you're crazy, you can't do it, that's way too much. Don't listen to it because some of your favorite movies came from people who were told that exactly. So um, just always reach to break a new layer, just always reach to, uh, to shake a new table. Never be scared to you know, express what you have to say because what you have to say is important and don't let anybody tell you that it's not. Absolutely. And where can they find you on social media? For me, I'm at Roro Beckley, R-O-R-O-B-E-C-K-L-E-Y on everything. You'll find me. <laughs> Are you Rachel? Uh, I am currently at Gemini Cricket with two T's. Awesome. Well, Rachel, I meant Rachel and Royce Atkins here tonight. Girl with no brain, check it out. Dean on the scene for the DC Black Film Festival. Yes. What's going on everybody? Kevin Sampson. You can say a picture lock or the founder of the DC Black Film Festival. I'm here with Tim Film Gordon. Uh, man, brother, I'm so happy to have you on the red carpet. Thank you for helping out in all the ways that you do with DCBFF. Could you talk a little bit about coming back this year? Because last year you were here uh, as a panelist. Tonight you're going to be speaking as a panelist and then even moderating tomorrow. Man, it's a wonderful experience, man. Um, there's a lot of good energy in the building. Um, I could see the growth from, from year one to year two. Um, the films uh, have you, you've stepped up the film game. Uh, you've included, you know, some some uh, what I call thought-provoking panels. I just think you've, you're doing something really well. You're putting down roots in the city, and it's something that's sorely needed. Well, I appreciate that. So I would say overall, you've seen some of the films so far. What have been um, some of your favorite films, or at least the the reactions, buzz that you've heard? Well, the the film I saw today that blew me away. Um, God, uh, the, the, the lock. What is that? Padlock film? Man. Padlock Man. Yeah. My God. Um, that was fantastic. Um, we got United Skates of America coming up, getting a lot of buzz on that one. You got a, you've got a wonderful slate of films that are here that have played at some of the, some of the other festivals that are on the circuit, and which I think are really, really nice that people don't get an opportunity to see these films, and that's why something like this is sorely needed. Right. So tonight, United Skates is going to be playing, and then you know you're going to sit on the panel after. The panel is making Black Lives Matter through film. Why do you think that it's important that we have a conversation like this um, with the community at large? I think it's important because images mean everything. Um, too many times in films we see different, I don't want to use the word stereotypes, but we see certain archetypes that are repeated constantly over and over. And I think it's really important not just for people of color and, and specifically African-Americans to see themselves, but also young African-American children, young African-American women and young girls specifically to kind of get a better idea that there's more out there and to also inspire them to create as well. Yeah. So, uh, you know, first off, I don't know how you're not sweating in this heat. Uh, because, baby. Yeah, you, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but if you could, for the audience that's watching, how can folks check out your content uh, you can check me out uh, at thefilmgordon.com or you can check me out on social media at everything at film gordon man i'd make it simple for people man <laughs> thanks for coming out man not a problem bro <laughs>
that's all for this episode. I'd like to thank my guests, Marisol gomez Bukad and Stephanie Selden-Howard for coming on the show, plus all the folks who walked the red carpet of DCBFF you heard from. Be sure to catch up on back episodes of the podcast and subscribe in iTunes, TuneIn, Stitcher, Blueberry, wherever you catch your podcast. If you're a fan of Alexa skills, just say, Alexa, play Picture Lot Podcast, and I'll come right up. Please feel free to leave a five-star review. <laughs> I always appreciate those. Uh, it really helps to get the show out to more people. You can find Picture Lock on most social media. All social media is at Picture Lock Show. Be sure to follow me on the Stardust app for my quick movie TV and trailer reviews. Just look up at Picture Lock Show and I'll be there. I just uploaded my thoughts on Netflix's Next Gen, which I actually really liked and uh, I felt like this film is a case for why Netflix cannot be a giant. Like, it deserved the big screen treatment. But check me out on the Stardust app and hear a little bit more of my thoughts. Watch back episodes of the TV show at youtube.com slash show and subscribe. I'm finally getting back on it with my YouTube reviews. Definitely going to put one up for next gen. If you're interested in being a guest on the show, you can fill out a form on the website. This week's question of the week, who is your favorite director of all time and why? Drop me a voicemail at 202-350-1351 or send me an email and let me know at picturelockshow at gmail.com or on any of Picture Lock's social media pages and I'll talk about it on the air next week. Our music is done by Mike S. The Producer 13. Make sure you follow him on all things social media at Mike S. The Producer, numeral one, numeral three, and hit him up for your music production needs. Thanks, bro. I'm Kevin Sampson, and until next time, I hope you stay locked on film. And uh, for those of us in the Carolinas, please be safe this weekend. Later. Later.